0: You take a seed, you plant it, you grow it, you dry it, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down to Earth! Spanning the globe to bring you the latest developments in medical cannabis, adult marijuana, industrial hemp, and spiritual ganja. We love the Earth! It's time for the Marijuana Agenda with Ross Bellville. Now, here's your host, Ross Bellville. on the
1: Good day, Tokers and King Lovers of Liberty. It is Friday, August 17th, 2018, and it's got to be 420 somewhere in the world. But more importantly, it is the opening day of the annual Seattle Hemp Fest at Myrtle Edwards Park in Seattle, Washington, the world's largest gathering of cannabis consumers in one place for a three-day festival. And uh, for the past 15 years, I've been attending this festival and speaking at the festival and... This year, I'm afraid I'm staying home. Just not enough money in the budget this year and uh, plenty of other places I need to focus my attention like Idaho and Oklahoma and Texas and North Dakota, these states that don't have legalization yet. I know there's still plenty to work out in Washington State like Home Grow, but uh, for the most part, the West Coast has got it going on. So this year, I'm missing Seattle Hemp Fest. I'm missing all the friends and activists and colleagues up there that I'd get to see at the family reunion. But today, We're going to stay home and bring you this special edition of the Marijuana Agenda. When we return from the Cannabis Headline News, I'm going to present to you a commercial-free podcast after the news, after the news commercials, I should say, and we will be playing All of my Seattle Hemp Fest speeches, at least all the ones I have recordings of, going all the way back to 2007, plus some insights uh, from my point of view for the particular years in the speeches. So that's coming up today on both the Marijuana Agenda and for the VIP listeners out there, Toker Talk Radio will have some more as well. So stay tuned for all of that. But first, let's get to the news.
0: This is your cannabis headline news. Brought to you by MarijuanaMoment.net, the complete source for all your marijuana news in one morning newsletter from Marijuana Majority Founder Tom Angel. Subscribe today for free at MarijuanaMoment.net. This
1: is your Cannabis Headline News, brought to you by InternationalCBC.com. I'm Russ Belville. The U.S. Senate may consider an amendment next week that would require federal agencies to conduct a study on how marijuana legalization is impacting states that have adopted it. The measure, filed on Thursday by Senator Robert Menendez, a Democrat of New Jersey, would direct the Departments of Justice, Labor, and Health and Human Services to contract with the National Academy of Sciences for a 10-year examination of monetary amounts generated by legal cannabis tax revenue, as well as rates of medicinal use and rates of overdoses with opioids and other painkillers, in states with some form of legalization among other data points the senate amendments text is similar to standalone house legislation that representatives tulsi gabbard democrat of hawaii and carlos corbello republican of florida and others filed last month the senator is seeking to attach the language to a bill to fund parts of the federal government including the departments of defense labor education and health and human services for fiscal year 2019. People convicted of federal nonviolent marijuana offenses or drug possession would have their records automatically sealed under a U.S. House bill introduced Tuesday. Representative Lisa Blunt Rochester, Democrat of Delaware, filed the bill, dubbed the Clean Slate Act, which stipulates that criminal records should be sealed exactly one year after a person serves out their sentence, so long as they don't commit crimes again. Twenty other representatives have already co-sponsored the legislation, including Representatives Barbara Lee, Democrat of California, and Eleanor Holmes Norton, Democrat of D.C. As more states have moved to legalize, marijuana-related convictions have fallen demonstrably at the federal level, according to a United States Sentencing Commission report released in June. That said, drug crimes still account for the bulk of the federal caseload. In 2017, about 1,300 federal drug convictions were for the simple possession of a drug alone. In a new federal register filing set to be published soon, the DEA is moving to more than quintuple the amount of cannabis that can legally be grown in the United States for research purposes, from roughly 1,000 pounds in 2018 to more than 5,400 pounds next year. At the same time, DEA is also pushing to reduce the amount of certain opioid drugs, such as oxycodone, hydrocodone, morphine, fentanyl, and others, that are produced in the U.S., The 2.45 million grams of marijuana the narcotics agency wants to grow in the country in 2019 is a significant bump up from the 443,000 grams the agency authorized for 2018. Once the DEA quota notice officially runs in the Federal Register, members of the public will be able to submit comments for a period of 30 days, after which time the agency may seek to amend and finalize the proposal. (laughs) Nearly one in four Americans between the ages of 18 and 29 say they regularly or occasionally consume cannabis, according to a recent Gallup poll. That's nearly twice the rate of cannabis consumption than the rest of the population, 13% of which cops to using marijuana. And it far exceeds the percentage of adults 50 and over who say they toke up. The survey also found that among all Americans, consuming cannabis is now considerably more popular than smoking cigars, chewing tobacco, or using a pipe. Americans aged between 50 and 64, and those 65 and over, are just as likely to smoke cigars as they are to use cannabis at about 6%, according to the poll. Women at 11% were less likely to consume marijuana than men at 15%. Masterpiece Cake Shop owner Jack Phillips, the Colorado baker at the center of the Supreme Court case concerning his religious opposition to making so-called gay wedding cakes, has filed a new lawsuit claiming his right to refuse orders for satanic cakes and cakes depicting marijuana. It is unclear how cannabis, considered by some religious scholars to be an ingredient of the holy anointing oil of Christ, violates his Christian beliefs, And in other religion versus marijuana news, a lawsuit filed in Utah by a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints cites the Colorado Cake case to preclude part of the proposed medical marijuana initiative on the ballot this November. Since the measure forbids discrimination in housing against a registered medical marijuana patient, the plaintiff argues that, quote, the state of Utah is attempting to compel the speech of Utah landowners by suppressing their ability to speak out against cannabis use and consumption by only renting to tenants who do not possess or consume cannabis, end quote. This has been your Cannabis Headline News, brought to you by InternationalCBC.com. I'm Russ Belville.
0: You're listening to the Marijuana Agenda with Russ Belleville.
1: The International Cannabis
0: Business Conference
1: has brought together cannabis business professionals from Berlin to Barcelona, from Hawaii to Vancouver, from San Francisco, and now back home to beautiful Portland, Oregon. Get your tickets now at internationalcbc.com for the September 27th and 28th event at the Downtown Hilton in Portland. Use promo code DELTA9 for a huge discount on your event tickets. You'll hear from U.S. Senator Jeff Merkley of Oregon, cannabis regulators from the OLCC, and learn about the emerging legal market in Canada. Tickets are available for the conference and VIP events featuring entertainment from DJ Muggs of Cypress Hill and Dell the Funky Homo Sapien. Visit internationalcbc.com and use promo code DELTA9 that's internationalcbc.com promo code DELTA9 D-E-L-T-A number 9 for the International Cannabis Business
0: Conference You're not high You're listening to the Marijuana Agenda with Russ Bellville.
1: It's not recreational It can be destructive uh, and it consistently is destructive
0: Okay Maybe you're a little high. The Marijuana Agenda-Free Podcast is available on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, TuneIn, Google Play, SoundCloud, and on our Facebook page at MJ Agenda. Free video archives are available at the Radical Russ channel on YouTube. Help keep this media free by making a donation at paypal.me slash radicalruss. Activism begins with ACT. The Marijuana Agenda features the stories of hardworking grassroots activists fighting to reform our cannabis laws in this edition of Cannabis Activism Now.
1: For Activism Now, we're taking a look at my experiences with the Seattle Hemp Fest, an amazing event that takes place on the third weekend of August Every year for the past 27 years, 28 years, I forget which, uh, which year this will be, but it's been going on for quite a while at the Myrtle Edwards Park, and you can learn more by going to hempfest.org. And my first experience with Seattle Hempfest was in 2004. I had moved to Portland in 2003, and as 2004 rolled around, I kind of noticed how uh, Portland was all about cannabis and activism, and I wanted to get involved somehow. So I went up to the uh, Seattle Hemp Fest hoping I could meet some people. I brought a handmade sign and walked around the event, but. Uh Pretty much didn't know anybody, so it was a, a fruitless endeavor that first time around. Other than the fact of being around 150,000 like-minded tokers uh, walking around in the sun, it was a great event. It inspired me to get a little more proactive about it, and I joined with Oregon Normal in May of 2005. By August, I was ready to attend Seattle Hemp Fest with the Oregon Normal crew, and I helped to uh, run the booth there at Seattle Hemp Fest. Then as 2006 rolled around, my profile began to increase, and I had my first speaking engagement at the Seattle Hemp Fest. I remember it because uh, Randy Rhodes was there, who would uh, end up being one of my colleagues on an Air America station in Portland. We weren't at the time, but it was kind of cool to see someone I had admired in the talk radio. I do not have any recordings from that 2006 event, unfortunately, so I can't even tell you what I may have said there, but uh, as we look back in the archives, my earliest recording goes back to 2007. And in 2007, you remember, uh, we had no legal marijuana. The idea of uh, California's Prop 19 hadn't even been broached yet. So we were still in full-scale prohibition on the West Coast and still looking to get people educated and motivated to end adult marijuana prohibition. It's in that context that I delivered this speech in 2007 I call my American Birthright Speech. A few redheads out
0: there. Redheads, red, red. citizens, and it's
1: beautiful that we're here with our First Amendment rights to speak freely. Our First Amendment rights to assemble peaceably. It's all about changing laws, people. Why is marijuana illegal? Why? Like Seventy years marijuana has been illegal. When the Constitution was written on hemp paper, when the The founders were growing hemp. When it was required in the colonies to grow hemp, someone has stolen our American birthright. They have stolen our spiritual heritage. They have stolen our natural God-given medicine. Why is marijuana illegal? I'll tell you why. There's a lot of people that want to keep marijuana illegal. The oil industry, the timber industry, the cotton industry, the pharmaceutical industry, they got a lot of money, they got a lot of lobbyists, they got a lot of power in Washington. They don't want the competition. You want to know why marijuana is illegal? It's because there's a lot of businesses that depend on marijuana being illegal. The prison industry. Uh, corporations out there that depend on cheap prison labor. You know why they like to arrest potheads? Because we're good workers. You put us in a prison cell, pay us 17 cents an hour, and we can book your tickets on Greyhound. We can book your tickets on the airlines. We're pretty damn reliable. You know, a meth head? That's kind of hard to do. And uh, they start twisting the paper up and getting the paper. Real pain. So, why is marijuana illegal? Because politically, there's a lot of people that benefit from it. peaceful people who don't harm anybody and pretty much are very creative and intelligent. Yes, yeah, so that that's gonna solve crime, sure. And there's a lot of demagogues out there, religious demagogues, who want to keep a certain segment of the population down, this all started from racism, people. The first anti-marijuana laws were passed because the immigrants were coming in from Mexico and they were come to take our jobs and so you couldn't throw them in jail for being brown, so you could throw them in jail for what they smoked. They did this in, the, in, the, uh, in New Orleans, Louisiana when the jazz players, when the black jazz musicians were coming in and they were going to be crazy and they were going to take all the white women and so they made their drug illegal so they could lock them up. There are so many be- people that benefit from marijuana being illegal, including some of you. Some of you. Marijuana. Every now and then, sell an eight, sell a quarter, sell an ounce. I don't sell too much. I sell just enough to get myself by and maybe make a little gas money. And that fuels a black market. And that fuels the next dealer up. And that fuels enough profit for the DEA to come in and start ripping up the gardens. If there were no profit in it, there'd be no illegality. It's the, not the color green from the leaf. It's the color green from the money that keeps it illegal. So, think about that. Now, how many of my people out there like to smoke the marijuana? How many
0: of my people out there
1: have called their Congress this year? Uh-huh, uh-huh, that's what I thought, Steve. That's why marijuana is illegal. There's 150 to 200,000 people that come here to HempFest every year. If everyone else got their cell phone out right now and called Congress, imagine 20,000 calls on their voicemail. I'm Moving past 2000, I began to start working with National Normal in 2008, taking over the podcast, The Daily Audio Stash, from Chris Goldstein. In working with National Normal, I began to follow more of the national level stories. And one of those stories that hit just as I was getting involved uh, came from Florida. And it was the story of a woman, a young woman named Rachel Morningstar Hoffman. And I told that story to the people at Seattle Hemp Fest in 2008. Uh, my name's Radical Russ, and uh, I am uh, the voice of hempsters everywhere. I uh, do the podcast for Normal, a daily audio stash, where you can get interviews and the latest hemp headlines and all the news and some great music, too. Check it out. It's at stash.normal.org. If you just go to the normal.org, you can find it. I also have a talk radio show on Air America's XM satellite uh, channel, the Russ Belville show on the weekends, and so I get to do a lot of these stories about our people, and I really do think of us as a people. You know, I, I think of us as a, a certain—you know—we're we're like we're like the largest invisible minority in this country. You know, I, I have this theory that if all of a sudden anybody who had ever smoked marijuana, if their skin turned green. This country would look around and see all the green people, and realize what a terrible injustice we've been doing to an entire subset, uh, an entire culture of Americans. And one of the stories that I wanted to, you know, bring to you that I that I got to uh, cover on the Daily Audio Stash and also on my radio show, I interviewed uh, the best friend of a woman named Rachel Morningstar Hoffman. Has anyone heard of Rachel Morningstar Hoffman? A couple of you, a few. Let me tell you this sad story because. When I'm doing the talk radio show, a lot of times I get people that will say, you know, why are you concentrating on marijuana? You know, there's so much more important things to concentrate on. I mean, we have got war in Iraq and peak oil and global starvation and AIDS. Why do you concentrate on marijuana? I like one of the things that Rick Steves said about this, how he said, it's easy to stand up to fight AIDS. It's easy to stand up to fight cancer. Standing up to fight prohibition is tough. You stand up to fight prohibition, you could lose your job, you could lose your license, you could lose the respect of your community. So that's why I stand up for marijuana, is because there's not a whole lot of people standing up for it. And they're afraid to. And so the story of Rachel Morningstar Hoffman is one of the ones that reminds me why I do this and put in all this time and energy and effort. Rachel Hoffman was a 23-year-old college student at the University of Florida. She just recently graduated, and she was a lot like me when I was a you know 20-something in that I smoked weed. Y'all smoke weed? A few of you? Maybe? A couple? Yeah. So, you know how it is. It's a black market, so it's expensive. And you're a college student. You're living on Top Ramen. And so, like other college students, they get friends together and go in on a larger amount, right? You've done that. You've, you've been there, right? The economics of it all. So, Rachel was the kind of girl who was, you know, in the less than a quarter pound level type of person, you know, a weed smoker who gets get some for a friends, share with friends, and so on. Well, in Florida she got caught. She got caught with marijuana twice. Now, the first, uh, first time she gets caught, the cops you know, warn her and she gets the ticket and all that. second time she gets caught, they go to her house, and they find, they got a search warrant, and they found out that she had five ounces of marijuana, and she had three ecstasy pills, which is a felony, both are felonies in Florida. So the cops, the Tallahassee Police Department said, okay, look, little girl, you're going to prison for four years, unless you help us. And this is what happens in this war on marijuana. You know how it works. They want to get the bigger fish. The cops want to use you to snitch. So they turned to Rachel and they said, we want you to turn in your friends, the people that you were dealing weed to. And she said, no, I'm not going to turn in my friends. You know, Good for her, right? They said, all right, well, here's another way we could do this. Uh, if you could, don't want to go to prison for four years, you help us catch these other two drug dealers we're going after. But don't tell your lawyer. Don't tell your folks. Don't tell the district attorney. The cops wanted to do this in secret because they knew if they'd the lawyers or the attorneys, they'd have said, no freaking way are you going to do this. But Rachel, she is 23. She doesn't know any better. She doesn't want to go to prison for four years. That's a life sentence when you're a 23-year-old person. So she agrees to help the police out, the Tallahassee police. What they set up for her was a controlled drug buy. They put her as an undercover buy wearing a wire, right? So she's undercover wearing a wire. She's got no training in this kind of stuff. They give her $13,000 in cash. They send her to these two drug dealers who have known felony records, violent guys, that she'd never met before in her life. $13,000 to go buy 1,500 ecstasy pills, two ounces of cocaine, and a handgun. They send this 23-year-old college student, who basically does a little weed with her friends, doesn't do any hard drugs, never met these guys before in her life, has no training in undercover operations to go with thirteen thousand dollars, fifteen hundred ecstasy pills, two ounces of cocaine, and a handgun. And the police say, don't worry, we got you covered. We we can hear the wire, we'll keep watching you, everything will be okay. Well guess what, everything was not okay. She goes out to make the controlled buy, the two drug dealers you think they might have figured out something was up. You think when the 23-year-old girl, the girl next door, you know, sweet, fresh-faced girl they'd never met before, all of a sudden, out of the blue, out of nowhere, 13 grand, 1,500 XC XP, XP pills, 2 ounces of coke and a handgun? Yeah, they figured it out all right. They took her away from the controlled buy. they led her down an old country road in Florida, and they shot her in the back of the head. Shot her in the back of the head. Here's where it gets worse. The cops lost track of her for 36 hours, and that's how she died. So that's why I do this, and I want to thank you all for coming out to HEMFest, and remember, people like Rachel Morningstar Hoffman, the real victims of this war on drugs. It's got to end now. We are the generation that's going to do it. Peace out. Radical Russ out. Thank you so much. Russ, thank you so much. Rachel Hoffman's case was many cases that I ended up covering in my four years working with Normal. The following year in 2009, I spoke at the Seattle Hemp Fest and a speech I call the hearts and minds speech, trying to convince people how important it is to be a proud marijuana consumer and marijuana advocate. Hemp Fest everybody glad to see you all here hey look man my name's Radical Russ Belleville I'm the associate director of Oregon Normal I'm the political director of the Oregon Cannabis Tax Act I have a talk radio show on XM Satellite called the Russ Belleville show I have my own computer consulting business and I'm the podcaster for Normal so much for a motivational syndrome <laughs> never worked harder in my life and got paid less i gave up a big it career to be here why because they wanted to drug test me for the big job i was gonna get six figures big house nice car uh, a theme song on a sitcom who knows but uh, at the time i was shaving my head because it's kind of going away and uh, so they couldn't uh, they were gonna do a hair test they couldn't take it off of my head and so i'm like hey cool man i mean you buy this hair test right on And they said no 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 we got a way of uh getting this hair off you I'm like oh my god (laughs) what? I had to go into an office and have a, a woman with a single bladed razor shave my chest and armpit hair for this job and that was the moment where I said screw this this is ridiculous I'm an American citizen I deserve the right to work and if I want to go home and have some marijuana instead of a martini I should still be able to work so I want you to think about something here and about what you have to do with this whole movement here, I've got five minutes to speak here, in the five minutes that I'm speaking seven people will be arrested for marijuana in this country seven marijuana arrests in the five minutes that I'm here speaking to you, and a lot of times the drugs are, I do the podcast for normal, right, I'm out at stash.normal.org if you want to get the news and information of what's happening in the community, check it out at, out at normal.org and I interview people, I do all these stories, daily after day after day after day and and what I find is that there's there's so many people that are misinformed about this issue especially this year how we're talking about industrial hemp here at the Seattle Hemp Fest I hear drug warriors all the time say we can't legalize industrial hemp if we were to do that we'd have no way of being able to detect it as we fly our helicopters we wouldn't be able to tell the difference between hemp and marijuana and I say Try smoking either one of them, you'll figure out the difference. Because hemp is not a drug, people. Hemp is not a drug. We've got a country where the Drug Enforcement Administration is in charge of banning something that's not a drug. I thought that was kind of weird until I started thinking that, well, we have a defense department that often goes on the offense, and we have an interior department that takes care of the outdoors, so I guess it's not too weird, right? But I want you all to get involved in this movement because it's all just these little things you can do that make a difference, and part of it is changing the minds of people, changing the hearts and minds. For so many years, people have been inculcated in this idea that marijuana is this demon reefer, this terrible, dangerous drug that'll lead to heroin. We need to be the ones that educate our family and friends, and don't stand up for all these reefer madness lies that people bring out. You know, I go, I go these places all the time and, and hear these these stupid, ridiculous things from the drug czar, and, and, and And I just have to tell them, marijuana's never killed anybody. Hemp is not a drug. I have to keep saying it over and over. But you can do that too. You can influence the people that are around you. Part of what we're doing in Oregon, just to give you a little heads up, is we've got a thing called the Oregon Cannabis Tax Act. We are going to tax and regulate the sales of marijuana in liquor stores to adults over 21. You want a party, you can go in, get some Bacardi, get yourself a bud, have yourself a great weekend. And we'll check IDs. That's the biggest thing. There are one million teenage drug dealers, teenage marijuana dealers in this country. Nobody's checking any IDs in this situation. If you want to protect kids, you regulate it, you tax it. But we're not going to tax and regulate it for people who want to grow their own. If You want to grow your own? It's your own business, it's your own privacy. No license, no registration, no fee, no tax. And we will completely legalize industrial hemp. No, it's regular old crop. You can grow hemp. Uh, and we can take all those farms that are going down in Oregon. We can take all those timber jobs with the timber money going away. They can make hemp press board. There's just so many ways that this can make a difference. Last thing I want to tell you is that the way you can make a difference is by calling your Congress. If you got a cell phone, program this number. You ready? This is your Congress. Get your cell phones out. Do, 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 do. Come on, cell phone, cell phone. It's 202-224-3121. It's That's 202-224-3121. That's your Congress. They'll just ask your zip code. They'll send you right through to your representative. Tell them to support H.R. 5843 that would end federal penalties for marijuana possession. 202- 224 3121. I'll be down at the Oregon Normal Booth on the far side, out in the south side. Thank y'all for coming out here to Hempfest. 2010 year that I think marijuana legalization really hit its stride in America. It was the year of Prop 19 in California, and the first I guess, nationwide discussion on the possibility of marijuana legalization, because the first few polls that came out showed 55, 56 percent support. Now, it did end up losing at the ballot box after then-Governor Schwarzenegger uh, undercut some of its support by passing an, a or signing a decriminalization law in California. And unfortunately, for that 2010 year, while I did speak at the Seattle Hemp Fest, Again, I seem to have no recordings in the archives for that particular year. But as we move ahead to 2011, uh, as I was continuing to work for Normal, I was getting more and more uh, attention in the cannabis community and getting more spots at the Seattle Hemp Fest uh, at which to speak. So for 2011, I have three speeches that I was able to deliver at three different stages. We'll start with one that featured my cousin Kenny uh, helping out with some of the props. It's the speech I call the Amendment Speech, explaining how marijuana prohibition affects all of our civil liberties. to convince soccer moms and nascar dads we gotta legalize pot and they always say oh marijuana legalization isn't there anything more important to talk about well i got my friends cannabis carry and cousin kenny here help us out why is legalizing pot important it's because you have rights and these rights are taken away because of marijuana. First Amendment, freedom of religion? Well, not if you're a Rastafari, and I'm afraid not. Freedom of speech? Oh, well, gee, if you're a medical marijuana patient go to trial, you can't mention that you use medical marijuana. Right to petition? Yeah, we've petitioned to get medical marijuana rescheduled to Schedule One, but they keep ignoring us. Right to bear arms? If you're a drug felon, you don't get to have any right to bear arms anymore. In my state, they're trying to take the gun permits away from the medical marijuana patients. Amendment 3, government may not quarter any soldiers in your home. No, they can't put a soldier in your home, but they can put a GPS on your car, in your driveway, without a warrant. Fourth Amendment, you got a right to not be searched in your home, your papers, your warrants without probable cause. Yeah, Kentucky v. King, new Supreme Court decision, just said the probable cause they need is if they smell marijuana and they hear a noise. If they smell marijuana behind your door and hear a noise, the cops can legally say now, oh, it sounds like they were trying to destroy evidence your door and take you away in cuffs. How about your Fifth Amendment right? Government cannot compel you to testify against yourself? Well, what do you think a drug test is? But testifying against yourself. How about cannot try you twice? Yeah, unless they do that whole tax stamp thing on you and try you for the same crime, but it was a technicality. It was tax stamps. How about stealing your property? Ever heard of asset forfeiture where they take your property because they think it was because you made it from making drug money and your property's considered guilty until proven innocent? you have to go to court to prove that your car your house and your money was actually yours uh, how about the 6th amendment right to a speedy public jury trial yeah with sealed indictments how about uh, uh, the juries that ha- don't know anything about the medical marijuana in the trial, I have two friends in California doing 5 years right now because they went to trial the, the cops said that they had 100 plants they put it in 5 year mandatory minimum they weren't allowed to say the word medical or marijuana in the same paragraph or else they'd be put in prison for contempt of court. So, so much for that right. Right to confront your witnesses. How do you confront a drug dog in court? Woof. Woof, woof, woof. Your honor, he said woof. Alright, how about the right to an attorney? Well, yeah, we can do that for you with normal, but how many of you got the money to afford an attorney? That kind of sucks sometimes. How about your Seventh Amendment right? Civil jury trial. Yeah, but what if you're ripped off by another grower? Can you really take him to court because he ripped you off? No, you can't. You don't have that right as a stoner. Eighth Amendment. No excessive bail or excessive fines. I've seen fines in the millions of dollars. Bail in the millions of dollars for people who are doing nothing more than growing house plants. How about no cruel and unusual punishments? Jonathan Magby, Washington, D.C. Medical marijuana patient put in jail, put in prison overnight, was not allowed to have his medical marijuana. He is in a wheelchair. He asphyxiated. He died in prison over two joints. That's cruel and unusual punishment. Ninth Amendment. The government, just because they put rights in the Constitution, doesn't mean you don't have a right. Just because it's not listed in the Constitution doesn't mean it doesn't exist. Well, do you think the hemp farmers, George Washington and Thomas Jefferson, would think you have a natural right to grow hemp? Well, we don't have that right. Sorry about that. Ninth Amendment doesn't apply to you stoners. Tenth Amendment. If the feds have a right, doesn't have a right in the Constitution, it's a state's rights. You heard of medical marijuana and them raiding all the states that have those laws? So much for our state's rights, so much for that one. Fourteenth Amendment, citizenship by birth, well, we're still okay with that one. Right to due process, well, you can't say medical marijuana in court. Right to equal protection. If you're a medical marijuana patient, you can't travel to most of the United States because your card's not good in that state. Your Washington card is no good in Oregon. My Oregon card is no good in Washington. That's not equal protection. Right to vote regardless of race, color, or previous condition of servitude. In the state of Florida, 19.8% of African-American males that are avoiding age cannot vote because of the state of Florida's drug penalties that do not allow felons the right to vote. So, so much for that right. Now, do you think it's important to legalize marijuana? Don't let anybody tell you that it's not. I'm RadicalRustNormal.org. We'll see you later. Also in 2011, one of the more laid-back, youth-oriented stages, I took a lighter tack, uh, did a little more humorous of a speech, something I call the normal drug test. How we doing, Have Fast McWilliams! Who wants to win something free? Want to win a free t-shirt? Come up here. I need four people to compete to win free t-shirts. Come on up. Hurry. I only got a little bit of time. Here's a gentleman right here. You're contestant number one. Where's contestant number, two? Number one. contestant number two? I need some ladies here. Right? Oh, I, this ain't gonna be a sausage party here. Let me get a lady get up here. Ladies, got we got a lady contestant? Any ladies want to compete in? The, get win a free T-shirt. <laughs> Hurry it up. All right. Contestant three. All right. Contestant four. Where's contestant what four? My friend Mike. Contestant four. No All right. So we're going <laughs> to play a little game here because people ask me, Hey, Russ, how do you get a job working for normal? That must be pretty cool, working for Normal. I have to admit it is. I do Normal Show Live. It's a talk radio show every weekday, 1 o'clock Pacific, at live.normal.org. I have a studio in my house, so my commute is to walk downstairs, load up a big fat bowl, and tell people the news about marijuana. And we do interviews, and we do live music, and all sorts of cool stuff, so check it out at live.normal.org. But people ask me, Russ, when you you go to work for Normal, is there a drug test? (laughs) Ha 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 ha. And I say, well, as a matter of fact, there is a drug test to work for normal, and it's multiple choice. So, gentlemen, are you ready? You got A, B, and C in front of you, right? These are multiple choice questions, and you're gonna answer A, B, or C as to which one you think is right, and whoever gets the most right is the winner of the contest. You get free normal t-shirts. Are you ready? All right. Question number one. Which one of these three drugs, according to the federal government, is not a medicine? a cannabis b cocaine c methamphetamine a b or c let's see it let's see it a b or c hold them up a b or c real quick got b got b says cocaine says cocaine says cannabis says cannabis the gentlemen who answered a are correct according to federal law cannabis is not medicine marijuana is not medical do you believe that no that's bullshit if you ask me but yeah cocaine Amphetamine are both prescribable. They're Schedule 2, and yet marijuana is Schedule 1. Coke and meth are legal, but pot is not. All right, question number two. Question number two. Of these three countries... Which one of these three countries locks up the most people in prison? Is it A, China, B, Europe? Well, that's not a country, it's a continent, but you get my point. Or C, the USA? All right, you answered. C, you are correct. The United States of America locks up more people, not per capita, overall. We lock up more people than China, and they've got 1.6 billion people. Fuck the police. That's right. That's right. That's right. <laughs> All right, question. Question number three. There's only two more questions here, and we've got uh, two guys with uh, both of them right so far. So, which one of these three chemicals is not a cannabinoid? Is it A. CBD, B. THCV, or C. CBGB?
0: <laughs> C,
1: CBGB is the correct answer. CBGB is a punk rock club in New York. <laughs> yeah! And our final question, final question. This is a tough one. In which of these three presidents' career, you know, their term, when they were in office, was there less people arrested for marijuana when they left versus when they started? Reagan. Is it A. Nixon, B. Reagan, or C. Clinton?
0: Clinton?
1: It is B. Ronald Reagan. At the beginning of Reagan's term, 400,000 Americans were arrested for marijuana every year. At the end of his term, it is 380,000. That's the only president over which the term has gone down, believe it or not, other than uh, President Carter as well. So... Right now, how many arrests do we have per year? Twice that, eight hundred and fifty thousand marijuana arrests per year. Now, here's a surprise. Since I'm at Hempfest and I'm really stoned, I didn't keep score. You're all winners. Bring those to the normal booth down there, and I'll get you free T-shirts. It's past the main stage when you guys are on your way out. Hit me up, and I'll get you a free T-shirt. All right. Also, remember, everybody, register to vote. I know a lot of people doesn't don't think it makes a difference, but it really does. You know why they don't ever change gun control laws or abortion laws? Because Those people go out and vote. And there are 25 million of us in this country. There are more tokers than Texans. There's more of us than there are people in Texas. There are more daily marijuana smokers than there are people with $5 million net worth. That I like to say there's more daily potheads than rich people. So we've got power. We can recognize that. Please tune into my show if you'd like to know more about Normal Show Live. I've got all sorts of little flyers with the website and all that. You can download it through iTunes. Keep informed. Keep educated. This is just a cute little game. But really, you got to learn what we're talking about here. This is important. This is your right. Stay out of jail. We love each and every one of you. Peace. I'm Radical Russ. Out. My final 2000 speech was delivered from the main stage, and it involved four volunteers holding up very large placards with the letters S-T-F-U on them. This is that speech, the S-T-F-U speech, main stage, Seattle HempFest 2011. Hey, HempFest, how you doing? Hey, does freedom feel good or what? Is this awesome or what? I love each and every one of you, and I see a whole lot of young faces out in this crowd. And, you know, uh, with the National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws, I host Normal Show Live. It's our live daily talk radio program. You know Rush Limbaugh and all those guys talking about, you know, who who cares? Well, we got talk radio for us. Talk radio for tokers! We talk about marijuana, we talk about legalizing marijuana, we talk about industrial hemp, and we got a ton of flyers, we'll be passing them around all through HealthFest, so check it out and visit us at the Normal booth. And while I'm here looking at so many young faces with Normal, one of the things that we like to do is to help young people stay out of jail, because cops are out there and they're looking for you, and the war on drugs and the war on marijuana is primarily a war against young people. One out of people between the ages of an 18 and 25 will consume cannabis this year. One out of eight will consume every day. Are you one of eight? Yeah. Should you go to jail for that? Oh, no. All right, so I got—I only have a little bit of time here, and I know you probably went to public school, and they don't teach a whole lot of the Constitution and your rights and how to deal with cops and that kind of stuff when you're in high school. I know they did not when I was in high school, so I thought I'd come up with a nice simple, short, easy, internet-friendly, Twitterable way for you guys to remember the most important thing when dealing with a police officer. You, you guys all on the Twitter and doing the chat and all that texting stuff. You got all those LOLs and LMFAOs and all that. I got one for you that's going to help you when you're dealing with a police officer. It's very simple. And I got some friends that are going to show you how to do this. First of all, Yellow Wanna Cake from YellowWannaCake.com. Come on out here with the first letter. And then next we've got our letter, uh, a.k.a. Pookie she can't- in from Ohio to join you today we got Phil coming in from Portland Oregon with the third letter and then Wiz Kaliko, Wiz Kaliko, my friend my intern this is the simple acronym that helps you remember what to do when you're confronted by a police officer now I know you young people probably know what it is but there's older folks like me out there that may not know what it is so I'd like you to help me help them understand what this means so on the count of three we're gonna shout it all together you ready one Three! Oh, oh dear, that, that, that wasn't, oh, oh, I'm in trouble now. No, could you guys turn that around? That's, flip those over if you would. No, it's stop talking in front of uniforms. I can't believe your filthy mouths. What would your parents think? Stop talking in front of uniforms, you ready? One, two, three!
0: All
1: right, some of you did one, some of you did the other, but you know what? It's all the same. Stop talking in front of cops, because guess what, folks? Cops can lie to you. They can lie to you. Uh, just show me the weed and everything will go a whole lot easier. (laughs) Yeah, easier for them because they don't have to prove you committed a crime. You made their job incredibly easy. Officer Officer Donut Stuffer loves it when you tell him that you're smoking pot. So when the cop pulls you over and he says, Uh, excuse me, son. Excuse me, ma'am. You've been smoking pot tonight. What do you do? What do you do? When the cop comes knocking on your door saying, wow, this sure is a loud party. You ain't got any drugs and there ain't nothing going on. Can I come into your house? What do you say? When the cop's pulled you over and he says, oh, you know, you're going to have to let us search your car or else we're going to bust your windows. We're going to take you in. It's going to be really difficult. The dogs will come. They'll tear up your car. What do you do? That's right. Learn your rights. I encourage all of you to check out normal.org. Also check out a thing called Flex your rights FlexYourRights.org It has this little 45 minute movie There's three 15 minute scenes One is young people like you Getting pulled over in a car Another one's young people like you Being pulled over on the street And a third one is young people like you At a house party And it shows you how not to talk to the cops The wrong way And then it shows you how to talk to them The right way That will help you stay out of jail Check it out FlexYourRights.org Normal.org is our website Live.normal.org To check out my show I'm Radical Russ Give me a hand for all my friends up here and have yourselves a wonderful hemp fest and enjoy the cottonmouth kings we'll see you later 12 at the seattle hemp fest was a very strange year indeed Of course, 2012 was the year that Colorado, Washington, and Oregon all had marijuana legalization on them. And at the Seattle Hemp Fest, it divided the cannabis community into red and blue camps, the red camp being the No on I-502 campaign, which was prominently featured throughout the Seattle Hemp Fest, versus the blue camp, the Yes on I-502 campaign, which of course ended up being victorious. During that uh, that Seattle Hemp Fest, I felt the need to try to explain to some of these consumers against marijuana legalization that it was in their best interest to end their own criminality. I attacked a couple of their talking points, most prominently their fear of the five nanogram DUID. Uh, my name is Russ Belleville. I'm known as Radical Russ on the air. I do a radio show called the Russ Belville Show on National Cannabis Radio. You can find it on NCR420.com, like NPR, but NCR420.com, on your smartphone, your tablet, or your computer. We are on 24 hours a day. When my show's not on, we got other great shows like the Irie Island Hour, the Ganja John Show. We got Big Daddy Fink's Funky Roller Rink, if you like that 70s disco feel, man. We got all sorts of stuff for by, for, and about the cannabis community. Because I, when I turn on the TV and I turn on the radio and I see channels for golf, and I see the speed channel, and it's not even about speed, it's about racing. And I see shopping channels, and I see seven different church channels. I said, man, we ought to have a marijuana channel, don't you think? Yeah. Oh. So that's what we're doing, National Cannabis Radio. And it's not just radio. We got video as well, right? But it's made to be radio so you can have it, you know, in your car and not have to look at it and, you know, wreck. So National Cannabis Radio, ncr420.com. Please check it out. Now, I've been coming to Seattle Hemp Fest and speaking here since about 2007, I believe. And it's always like a family reunion and a beautiful thing to come here. And I want you to note that I do have the Yes on I-502 button on. And I do fully support I-502 because I have a very simple philosophy when it comes to marijuana initiatives. It's called WWGKD. What would Gil Kerlikowski do? What would the drug czar do? And I know for a fact the drug czar would vote against 502, so I'm voting for it. Now when I say I know this for a fact, I mean I know this for a fact. In March, I was in Houston, Texas, and I got the opportunity to debate Dr. Kevin Sabet. He was the drug czar's right-hand man for 2009 to 2011, worked in the office of the drug czar since the early 2000s, worked Bush, Clinton, I don't think he went back to Clinton, but he worked in a lot of these administrations, right? So I had an opportunity to debate this guy who gives the advice to the drug czar. And I said, you know... Gil, Gil has this thing that he wants to pass uh, you know, you may have heard this in the uh, some of the literature that's going out there that the drug czar wants to institute per se DUIDs all across the nation wants to make that the law And so they're saying well this is bad because it's got the per se DUID in it so I asked Kevin Sabet, I said Kevin since the drug czar wants per se DUIDs if 502 passes would he at least be happy that it has a per se DUID in it And he didn't even answer. He just went, he just laughed at me. And he said, look, the ONDCP is opposed to marijuana legalization in all forms for any reason. So I know for a fact, the drug czar would vote against this thing, so I'm voting for it. But that's enough. I don't want to go too much more into that. But we do need to always move the ball forward. We need to fight, like Pete Holmes said, the federal prohibition. And this is the first chance Washington State's had in 42 years, and these chances don't come around all the time. Ask California. They tried it in 1972, and it was called Prop 19. Guess, guess when the next chance they got? 2010. And 2012, they're not voting on anything. So don't think, oh, we'll just do it next year. It's really hard to get stuff on the ballot, folks. Take the opportunities when you can. But everybody's heard these arguments, and there's a lot of fear, and there's a lot of uh, misinformation, and I'll admit from both sides on this issue, and whenever there's fear going on, that always makes me distrustful in anybody's argument. I don't want to be scared into thinking one way or another. I want the facts. I want some logic involved in this. So here's one thing where I think there's some, some fear that's a little... Well, I'm glad you're getting this fear because you should have had this fear all along. And it's this fear of DUIs. And I think that a lot of people, people I respect, by the way, some of my best friends in this movement are on the opposite side of this issue from me. But what I think is missing is that some people may think that you're not getting DUIs now. You're getting discriminated in getting DUIs now, right now. If you're out driving and your nanograms are above five, like everybody's always worried about this five thing, right? Oh, I went to sleep, I woke up the next day, 10 hours later, I was still at 10. Okay, if you're driving now and a cop finds a reason to pull you over now, and I don't care, broken tail light, missed tag, whatever, finds a reason to pull you over now, And finds a reason to think you're impaired, whether you are or he's an asshole and he's making it up, whatever. And he makes you do that sobriety test now and you find some way to fail it, maybe through no fault of your own, maybe you got bad balance, doesn't matter. But if you fail it now, and then that goes to the prosecuting attorney's office with a cop's report that said, I observed a guy that was driving badly, I smelled marijuana on them, we got this blood test, and it's 10 nanograms per milliliter. You're getting a DUI now. You're not getting out of that. Okay? You're already, you should, if the people who are saying no on FIRA2 are trying to terrify you with the thought, Oh my God, if I go drive, I'm going to get a DUI, you should be terrified now! Because that's the law now, it's against the law to drive with THC in your blood. Now, when they say, well it's not scientific, you're damn right it's not scientific! I am in complete agreement with you. I have read more research papers on marijuana and driving than you have read books in school. I will guarantee you that. I spoke on a monthly and weekly basis with Paul Montano from Normal, the number one expert in the country, if not the world, on this research. I know this research better than you do. I know it's unscientific, but guess what? Politics is unscientific. And let me give you an example. I come from the state of Oregon, where I'm a registered medical marijuana caregiver for my wife, who is a patient. Thanks to that law, I can possess up to 24 ounces of marijuana and cultivate up to 24 plants. But the rules that govern those plants say that I can only have six mature plants and 18 immature plants. Like other medical marijuana states, there are some that have that as well. But Oregon is the only one where they define a mature plant as any plant that is taller than 12 inches. How many growers out there have 13 inch vegetating plants? Anybody? Vegetating a 13 inch plant, 14 inch plant? That's a mature plant. Whether it has buds or not, any plant bigger than 12 inches is a mature plant. So when I hear 502 people, no on 502 people telling me, well, we can't enshrine an unscientific arbitrary limit that might hurt patients into law, I go, how about that 12 inch line that we voted for in Oregon that we passed for medical marijuana that hurts patients when they go away for the weekend and their seedlings become 13 inches tall and make them a felon? Why was it okay to vote for that to protect patients, but not okay to vote for 502 to protect the mass amount of people who aren't patients who possess marijuana just because they like to? <laughs> now, I understand the fear and. I hope that everybody understands that as passionate as I get about this issue, I write a lot, I live in cyberspace, where the rules of common decency do not apply. And I've seen comments and vitriol and articles from people who know better, calling people in the movement who dedicated their lives, people whose husbands are in prison, people who have lost their families, their friends, their businesses, their whole life dedicated to this movement, getting called the most scurrilous names, being subject to the most heinous of threats, even, over this issue. I wore this red shirt today on purpose. While I'm on this blue team, I also support my red friends as well, and I can't believe that HempFest has turned into a goddamn electoral college map with red and blue states in it. Because no matter what happens with I-502, we all have to work together to either fix what went wrong with 502 or come up with the next one that's going to make it better. Because I don't live in a red hemp fest. I don't live in a blue hemp fest. I live in a red, white, and blue America where we're all fighting for the freedom to use this plant any damn way we choose. And I love my brothers who are anti-502. I love my friends who are pro-502. And I will always support all of us until we end this. Damn prohibition that is hurting this planet and this world. Thank you, ncr420.com. Come on,
0: give me hour.
1: In my final 2012 speech from the Seattle Hempfest, we took a look at the need to pass marijuana legalization. Hey, it's great to be at Hempfest. I've been speaking here at Hempfest for years now, and one of the things I'm kind of known for is when I hear things against marijuana. You heard them, right? The stupid lies that they tell, the misstatements, the way fabricated stories of how the sky is gonna fall. I have to go against drug czars, I have to go against cops, I have to go against all these people that hate marijuana. And you know, what gets frustrating is now I'm having to do that with people that like marijuana. Because there are some things that we say when we're talking about passing legalization that just aren't true. Some things we say that just aren't true. Like, aw, this legalization isn't good enough. I'd really like to legalize, but this, oh, it's got some stuff in it I don't like. It's not perfect. I don't like this legalization. We'll just do it next year. We'll just do it next year. We'll do a much better thing. It'll be much better next year. Well, let me give you some truth on that. Let me give you some facts on that. The war on drugs in the modern era, as established by Richard M. Nixon, has lasted for 42 years. In those 42 years, there have been 21 congressional election years. That's the every even year when they do congressional elections, right? There are 24 states in the United States where they have the right to do initiative petitioning, right? In 26 states, they can't do a petition and get signatures and change a law. Only 24 states have that right. 24 states in 21 congressional elections equals 504 chances to get marijuana legalization on the ballot, except for the fact that Mississippi didn't have that right for 20 of those years. So take away 10 of them. That makes 494 possible times a state could put legalization on the ballot. You know how many times it's been on the ballot in 42 years? Eight. In 494 possible tries, marijuana legalization has been on the ballot eight times in just five states. Five out of those 24 states that could do it, only five have had the chance, and each time, all eight of them have failed. All eight attempts at marijuana legalization have failed. You only need to look back two years to Prop 19 in 2010. And I heard the same sign kind of scares. Oh my God, if we pass this, terrible things will happen. We'll do something better next election. Guess what kind of legalization California is voting on this year? None. So when someone says, oh gee, we can just try something again next year, don't believe that. This is very difficult. In 42 years of drug war, Washington State has gotten legalization on the ballot once. And I know plenty of people, very well-intentioned people, people that want your freedom just as bad as I do, have tried for years to get it on the ballot, and it has not happened. So, if you get a chance to vote on legalization, you do it for the people in the 26 states that don't have the right to put it on the ballot. You put it do it for the people in the other 21 states that have the 20 uh, 17 states that had the right but didn't get the chance. You got to make the most of your opportunities. Now. Another thing I'd like to bring up is definitions of words. I'm very cool with having debates and discussions with people about things we disagree with. I got no problem with that. But while you are entitled to your own opinion, you are not entitled to your own facts. And the one fact I would like to get across in this is the definition of the word legalization versus the definition of the word decriminalization. Some people are talking about the initiative that's on the ballot to be decriminalization. It's not real legalization. It's not actual legalization. So I went to the dictionary and I looked up legalization. And very simply put, legalization is the process, not the result, the process of making something legal. Decriminalization is merely erasing criminal penalties for doing something naughty. But it's still something naughty. I live in a decriminalized state, state of Oregon, decriminalized. Still, if I get caught with less than an ounce of weed, I get a ticket up to 500 bucks, I get my driver's license suspended for six months, whether I was driving or not, I gotta go to classes, I gotta take maybe, all sorts of things that can happen, even though it's decriminalized. Decriminalization is still a penalty, it's just not a crime. Legalization, on the other hand, No fines, no tickets, no arrests, no warrants, no records, nothing. Legalization means it's legal. Legalization means if I'm in my house smoking a joint and a cop knocks on the door and I answer the door with the joint in my mouth, we have a conversation, he goes away without taking me with him? That's legalization! What some people are confusing is legalization with freedom. Freedom is the state we wish to get to by passing legalizations over time. It will take a lot of steps to get us there. You don't build it overnight. Prohibition wasn't built overnight. We're not going to tear it down overnight. It's going to take some steps to get there. So don't confuse legalization with freedom. Freedom means, yeah, I can grow all the weed I want, anytime I want, anywhere I want, smoke it how I like, share it with my friends, sell it in the business. Yeah, that's freedom. I want that too. But we don't get there without taking the first step. You don't make a journey of a mile without taking the first step. Please, Washington State, Join me in the state of Oregon and join my friends in the state of Colorado in the first year where there's been three states voting on legalization and let's get the trifecta. Let's get the hat trick. Let's pass legalization. Thank you. Thank you, Radical Rock. And there you have it for this special marijuana agenda. Every one of my speeches at the Seattle Hemp Fest that I made before legalization was a reality in the Pacific Northwest. VIP listeners, stay tuned for Toker Talk Radio, your special private podcast coming up with all my Seattle Hempfest speeches from after marijuana legalization was a reality in the Pacific Northwest. For everyone here at Delta 9 House and Studios, I'm Radical Russ. Thanks for joining us. And until
0: next time, take care of each other, Tokers. Follow MJ Agenda on Facebook, Pinterest, Instagram, YouTube, and follow MJ Agenda Show on Twitter. Learn more at mjagenda.com. You ran
1: it, you grow it,
0: you giant, you roll it, you smoke it. You take a seed, you ran it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke in. You take a seed, you ran it, you grow it, you giant, you roll it, you smoke it, and it goes down. To Earth.